Would you turn please to Luke, the seventh chapter? It was a couple of weeks ago, I guess it was. We began a new series. We're calling it The Greatest Faith. The Greatest Faith. Do you want to know more about the greatest faith? Boy, I do. I do. Luke 7 and verse 1. He said, Now when all, when he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum, and a certain centurion's servant, who was dear to him, was sick and ready to die. I tell you what, just uh, back up to verse 2 again. Put this up in the Young's Living translation. Young's Living. A certain centurion's servant, being ill, was about to die, who was much valued by him. Keep going. And having heard about Jesus, he sent unto him elders of the Jews, beseeching him that having come, he might thoroughly save his servant. Can Jesus thoroughly save you? (laughs) And they having come near to Jesus were calling upon him earnestly saying, He is worthy to whom you shall do this. For he does love our nation and the synagogue he did build to us. Jesus, and Jesus was going on with them. And now, you know, if you read Matthew's account of this, he said, I'll come and heal him. You know, Jesus never said, I won't. Anybody asked him about healing? Never. Not one time. Always said, I will. Jesus was going on with them, and now when he's not far distant from the house, the centurion sent to him friends, saying to him, Sir, be not troubled, for I am not worthy that under my roof you may enter. Wherefore, not even myself thought I worthy to come to you, but say in a word, and my lad shall be healed. For I also am a man placed under authority, having under myself soldiers. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, be coming, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. And having heard these things, Jesus wondered at him. And having turned to the multitude following him, he said, I say to you, not even in Israel so much faith did I find. (laughs) Hallelujah. The word here is not just uh, great, but it's so great. If you look in the King James, so great. And the idea is greatest, which is where our title comes from. He said, I haven't found this great, so great, a faith, not in the whole country. Well, that included his staff standing behind him. That included everybody around, the, the 12, the 70, right? That included everybody around him because they lived in the country. He said, "I, not even in Israel, so much faith did I find. Keep going. And those sent, having turned back to the house, found the ailing servant in health. Glory to God. He spoke the word. As you read Matthew's account, 
And uh, so apparently he never made it to the house. Didn't need to. You know, how many know Jesus doesn't have to show up physically at your house for you to be healed? And we see here a great result. A person who was grievously tormented, the King James says, Matthew said he was paralyzed and obviously in constant pain and vexed, and he was about dead. No doubt would have died soon. And here, this man is thoroughly saved and healed before the day's over. That's a great miracle. Somebody say a great miracle. Well, does the Lord still do great miracles? But what's this great miracle connected to? Great faith. Any connection there? Great faith? Great miracle. Great faith, great miracle. And so the working of the miracle, the manifesting of the power to make it happen, that's not our part. We can't do that. That's God's part. But the great faith part, that's not God's part. That's our part. Should we be interested to find out what was it about this man that enabled him to have faith that was so great it impressed Jesus and caused Jesus to marvel? Now, if faith pleases God, how many would want to please him a lot? Little faith would please him a little. Uh, Mid-range faith would please him mid-range. Maximum faith would please him the maximum amount. Great faith would please him greatly. And you can see that because everything Jesus said and did was demonstrating the Father and revealing the will of the Father. So he's just voicing how the Father felt about this. And for Jesus, for the Father, I mean, understand, you can't impress the Father with just anything. He creates planets. Is that right? Stars. All the gold and diamonds. He created them. How are you going to impress him? With stuff. Or with knowledge. Could you write a big enough check? God goes, whoo, look at that. Whoo, that's a big check. (laughs) What you can impress him with though. Is your love. And your faith. And Jesus looks around. And I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. He says, my, my, my. Boys, did you see that? I hadn't seen faith like this in the whole country. This is the greatest faith I have seen in the nation. In somebody who was not of Jewish heritage. A soldier. A Roman. And we talked about last week how so many times you don't find faith where you thought you would. And you do find even great faith in people that you wouldn't expect. That means we need to know more about faith. Elsewise, we wouldn't be so shocked when we find it in these places. Because we'd know how it is, how it works, and what it is. So read with me. It said that he came, verse 2, and his servant was about dead. And it said the elders besought him that he would come and heal his servant. And they said, he's worthy. 
Now you'll find that word three times just in the next couple of verses here. Worthy. Everybody say worthy. worthy. He's worthy that you should do this for him. And they said because he loves our nation. So maybe even though he might, might not have been of Jewish heritage, perhaps he had become a Jewish proselyte. Or either way, he loved the nation and he respected the, the worship of God and the Mosaic law. And he built him a synagogue. Somebody say praise God. Amen. Built him a synagogue. Now that's no small thing. He had under his command at least a hundred top soldiers. Could have been, depending on what, it could have been two or three hundred or more. And he's an officer. And um, I don't know how he came into money, but apparently he had some influence. And he had some money or access to it. And he builds them what would be comparable to us, a church today. And so when his servant is about dead, he knows the elders, he built them a synagogue, and he asked them, would they go and ask Jesus to minister to his servant before he dies? And so they said, absolutely, we'd be glad to. And so they went and met Jesus, and they told him about this centurion, and about how he loved the nation, and about how he had built him a synagogue, and they said, he, he's deserving. He's worthy that you should do this. And Jesus said, I'll come. I'll come and heal him. And uh, verse 6, when Jesus went with them, when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him and saying to him, Lord, trouble not yourself, for I am not worthy. Can you see there's emphasis on this word worthy here? They said he's worthy. But then when the centurion, you got to remember this is a, a life and death situation. The scripture said he valued and cared about this servant. And he's about dead. And so he has sent the elders to talk to Jesus. And so he's waiting with anticipation. And he's obviously watching out the window or from the front porch or whatever. And, and he sees them coming with Jesus. Now, we want to know what is it about this man that he has what Jesus called the greatest faith. Here is an unusual response. You see the elders, you see Jesus coming to your house to pray for, maybe lay hands on somebody you really care about. Do you send word and tell them they don't need to come? Do you understand that? No, most folks say, oh, I don't understand that. <laughs> That's why I'm preaching. Right? Do you want to have great faith or not? Yes. Then you need to respond in some similar way to the way this man did on this day, or else we, you and I won't be flowing in this kind of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for or expected. It is the evidence of things. Faith is not based on what you see and feel. He revealed he didn't have to see Jesus do anything with his servant. He didn't have to feel any. Come on, are y'all listening? 
he reveals a little bit later, I need the command. I need the word. I don't need to see anything. I don't need you to come in the house. I don't need you to lay hands on him. I don't need you to pray for him. I'm a soldier. I understand submission. I understand orders. So one of the things we see in his great faith is respect. Respect. He's a centurion. He has more authority in in this place than any of these preachers by far. You know, uh, I, I read where it said that a centurion carried a certain kind of staff with them and thing, and, and they could discipline a Roman citizen, which normally was against the law. They got clout. They could beat you. <laughs> Nobody could say a word about it. He could destroy things. I mean, the, the country is occupied by the Romans. He's an officer. So why isn't he commanding that this preacher be brought to him? If he wants him. Can you see this? Because the man has some discernment. Why does he value the Jewish nation? Why did he want to build a synagogue? He values some spiritual things. Come on, can you see this? And when he sees and hears what Jesus is doing, he respects that. And so he didn't send soldiers to bring him. He did not demand. He did not require. He humbly asks. And then he expresses that he does not feel that because of who he is, the Lord owes him anything. Or because of the power he has politically over him. Or through martial law or any of that. When he could have commanded, when he could have demanded, when he could have forced, he could have drug him there. Well, maybe he could have thought he could. <laughs> Remember when Jesus said at the garden, I am, and they all fell to the ground? But you see what I'm saying? Everybody say respect, respect, respect. Did the Lord do an amazing thing for this man? He honored, the Lord honored him, didn't he? Honored him by saving his servant. Why? The Lord said, those that honor me. I will honor. Everybody say respect. 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 This is something our generation needs to know more about. Amen. We are suffering in our generation from the aftermath of the 60s. We got people that lost what little they knew about respect and honor in the 60s. And now you've got kids of kids of kids who grew up not being taught anything about honor and respect. And the thing is, if you show no respect with people, you show no respect with God. If you honor and respect God, that will be demonstrated in how you deal with people, how you talk to them, how you refer to them. Now, are we still talking about great faith? You can't separate great faith from this. Respect. And honor. You must respect the word. You must respect the Holy Spirit. You must respect God's ministers and his gifts. You must, and ministries. His church and his people. And the more you do, the more you honor him. 
He's going to honor you with answers and help. Respect. Come on, say it out loud. Respect. You know, there's a whole lot of people didn't respect the Lord enough to get out of bed this morning. You're here. I'd give you a star if I could. <laughs> Back in Sunday school, we used to get stars. Huh? What you had? A silver star and a gold star. Yay. <laughs> but you don't understand what I'm talking about. There's, there's people who don't respect the Lord enough to, to do anything. And, 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 they, and dear me, I mean, the blasphemy that you hear nowadays. Over the news, especially over every kind of entertainment, I mean absolute blasphemy, ridiculing and mocking God. It's, uh, it's just less and less respect. We can't control that. I can control me. You can control you. We can teach our children and our grandchildren. We, uh, we've got some good reports from some of our kids and from the church family in the school system. Teachers and principals have sent back word and said, your children, talking about Faith Life Church, some of the most respectful children, some of the most well-behaved. That's a witness. In a dark world, that's a witness and it's a sign that things are going to go well for that child. Is that right? Because if you honor your father and mother, It'll go well with you. And you'll live long. On the earth. The way you talk to your parents. The way you talk to your pastors. Your teachers. Your coach. Your principal. Your elected officials. The way you talk about people. The way you react. How many understand we should show some humility. We should show some deference. And respect. This is almost like a foreign language I'm talking about in this generation. But we're in the world, but we're not of it. He said, when he saw him come into the house, he sent word. Didn't even let Jesus come all the way to his house. He sent word to him. So Jesus and these elders are coming. And here somebody comes from the house. And they said, yes. And they said, uh, the centurion, whatever his name was, he says, Lord, don't trouble yourself. You don't need to come all the way. You don't need to do this. I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come to you. That's why he didn't go to him in person. Because he's not, he's not a, a priest. He's not a leader in the synagogue. He is a soldier. He's got a rough past. He's killed a lot of people. He's, uh, the training he received to get him where he is is not godly. And he doesn't feel, even though he has command authority over this whole area. And he could used, have used that authority or abused it. That's not his heart. That's why we're preaching about him this morning. That's so why we're talking about him this morning. Generations later, he said, uh, I didn't think myself worthy. Now, th- this word worthy, there are two words used here. I want to read them to you. 
Thank you, Lord. One of the words means deserving or entitled. Have you ever heard that word? (laughs) Deserving or entitled. And the other word means enough or sufficient. And that's interesting that he said, I didn't think I was enough that I could come to you personally. That's why I asked my friends, my spiritual friends, would they come to you? And I didn't count myself entitled that you should do this for me. Come on, can you see this? Does this have anything to do with great faith? It has everything to do with great faith. This is humility. True humility. Not this phony stuff that a lot of folks call humility, but the real thing. And real humility has nothing to do with being weak. This man is not weak. He didn't get to where he is by being weak. These men led their soldiers from the front. They were able to personally train. They were experts in the use of their weapons. And they trained their own men. And checked them. And and, and developed their skill. And they led with insignia that showed that they're the centurion. Well, that's like putting a target on your back. He didn't get there by being a coward or by being weak. And yet, he doesn't feel that his accomplishments... That his wealth, that his power makes him entitled to anything with the Lord. Oh, friends, this is so important. So important. And he's right. Somebody says, well, he just didn't understand, you know, because he wasn't a Christian. And and Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet. And that, that he is worthy. The Lord has made us. Worthy by what he has done. But in what you are and what you have done, you are still unworthy. In what you are, in what you have done, the Lord owes you and I nothing because of who we are and what we have done. Now, the devil is, he is the proudest being there is. And the reason he became the devil and the deceiver and the destroyer is he took what God gave him in God. God didn't create him a devil. He created him the anointed cherub that covers. He was a beautiful, amazing being that had a place with God. Until the scripture said iniquity was found in him. And he created the devil fathered lying. And deception. God didn't create that. And he decided, I'm so beautiful, I'm so amazing, I'm so smart, I'm so powerful, I should have more. He already had a place with God. What kind of amazing place? We don't know, but it had to be amazing. And yet he decides, I should have more. In fact, 
I want more than that. In fact, I could, I should have it all. Why can't I have it all? I want it. I will be like the Most High. I will ascend above the sides of the throne. I'll sit my throne on high. He tried to use faith principles of believing and saying to rebel against God. And then God said, it's a war of words, literally. God said, you'll be brought down to hell. And when God's words hit his words, <laughs> he's been cast out. And his future is marked out in Revelation. Soon and very soon. I like to tell it because I know it upsets the devil. So have you read this? Soon and very soon. One big angel. Just one. One big angel is going to come down and grab him. And put him in chains. And throw him in the pit and shut the door. And there's nothing he can do about it. Now, he's not all he has cracked himself up to be if one angel can do this to him. One. (laughs) Are you glad you're on the right side? But he being the God of this world now is continually bringing thoughts and feelings of entitlement. You should have this. This phrase, watch out for it. You deserve. You deserve. They owe it to you. Got one word for that. Lies. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. I I saw this some years ago, and, and I don't like that phrase, and I don't like people to use it concerning me. I don't always try to correct people when they say it. It's not always the time or the place, but you'll have something good happen in your life. People say, oh, Brother Keith, you deserve it. Immediately I think, no, I don't. Well, yeah, but you did this. You know, I don't deserve it. Not trying to be humble. I'm trying to stay in reality. Why? Because the scripture says, do you have anything that you didn't receive? And if you received it, why do you boast as though you had not received it? Well, I worked hard for what I got. You're not very smart. What do you mean? That's how I got where you wouldn't have existed unless life had been given to you. Unless strength had been given to your body, you couldn't have got out of the bed. Unless brightness to your mind, unless favor and opportunities, you would have never had an opportunity to work or to invest or to start anything or to have anything. Don't be a fool. There's a God. Life is short. And when things go good and they go well and there's life in it and there's blessing in it, God is being gracious to you. He's giving you things. He's giving you ideas and life and strength and favor and friends and family and opportunity. And you dare not say, I deserve it. It's a gift. It's a gift. You should say, 
thank you. Thank you. I'm not worthy. I don't deserve it. I haven't earned it. But I still get to enjoy it. Because God is so gracious. And so good. This is such a big deal. You're hearing it more and more in our generation. People think because they're alive that something's owed to them. Because they woke up this morning. You owe them time, money, favor, stuff. Why? Why is anything owed to you? Because of who you are. Who are you? Exactly. Why do you? uh, This man could have said, I'm the centurion in these parts. Right? I'm somebody. He had power and he had money. He didn't mention either one. In fact, he, this is what we need to understand. Just because you're something in this world doesn't mean you're anything in the church. You can be king of a nation. You can be a multi-billionaire. That doesn't make you anything in God. Doesn't make you anything in the kingdom. You'll see sometimes celebrities or our movie stars or our you know, business owners get saved and come to church and people put them in the front, put them in charge, put them on the platform, put them on the board. Shouldn't be. This is what James is talking about, about being a respecter of persons. Doing something because of their money or because of their place, their power, their authority. In a few days, they'll be gone. You're going to die. You're not taking any of your money with you. And, and when you stand before the Lord, you can't say, now look here, I'm the king of such and such. Yeah. <laughs> By then, that, that, that nation may not even exist anymore. <laughs> the truth is, you are nothing and nobody and deserve nothing without God. Amen. That's the truth. Now in him, it's another story. You've been made somebody in Christ, but don't leave off those last two words. Or you didn't go into lying. I can do all things. Are you stopping there? Because if you do, you just lied. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm the righteousness of God. If you stop there, you just lied. It's all and it's only in Him. In Christ. In Him is not the same as in you. In you, nothing, nobody, deserve nothing. That's in you. We need to know the in you truths as well as the in Him truths. If you need healing, for instance, You do not bring up to the Lord how good a church member you are. You do not bring up to him how you gave to the poor. You do not bring up to him how you served on teams. Because what? You're implying you deserve it. You're implying 
that because of what you've done, and that's a lie, and, and you disqualify yourself from grace. Everything from God is by grace. Grace is a free gift. Grace is unearned, undeserved. So this man, without knowing this just in his head, the Spirit of God helped him to get a hold of this. And his heart was receptive to it. And he sent these men. He said, would you please go ask for me? Which is a lot of humility for a ruling Roman centurion. Pilate wouldn't have done that. <laughs> or Herod. And that's who he served under. And uh, he said, would you all please go ask him? They said, yes. He'd be glad. Man, you built us a synagogue. He, he, I'm sure knowing from this, he's not saying you owe me anything. He's just asking a favor. My servant's about dead. And I hear about these amazing healings that are happening in Jesus' ministry. Would you go ask? They said, yes. They went and asked. Jesus said, I'll come right now. Mm-hmm. Praise God. <laughs> and as he's coming and they're coming, the centurion's watching. And he goes, oh, he's coming. And so he takes one of his servants. He said, because, you know, when he tells his servant, do this, what have you? He does it. And he said, he said uh, go tell him. Go tell him, no, 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 you don't have to come. You don't have to come to my house. I didn't count myself to be enough in myself or to be sufficient or to be somebody that you should come to their house. Oh, I've seen this. People come into church, come into ministries, demanding of our staff, demanding of me, come do this, come do that, do this or do the other. No respect. Hey, preacher, you going to do this or not? That shows not just lack of respect, that shows lack of faith. And I'm not the Savior, I'm not the healer, no man or woman is. With no faith, we're getting nothing. No matter what I do or where I go or what you say or do, with no faith, we're getting no results. I've had people tell me, now, now I want you to do this and I want you to do that, I want you to do the other. They're not asking. They're telling. People telling my staff, why didn't you get back with me today? Why didn't you do this? Who are you? See, see, people have gotten the wrong idea. And I had the wrong idea when I first started ministry. I thought the minister is the servant of the people. So anything anybody asks you to do, you should do. And I did it and about killed myself. And I'm spending time with people, and I begin to realize it's doing no good at all. They don't respect it. It's wearing me out, and then I'm not ready to do the thing I should be doing. I'm letting the enemy rob from me. Because I'm trying to do everything somebody wants me to do. If they don't respect this, just because they don't have a revelation of it, doesn't mean I need to let them run my life. I need to represent him. Does he hop when you say hop? (laughs) No. (laughs) Let me help you with that. (laughs) No. There's been so much wrong thinking about what church is supposed to be. Pastors 
are just hirelings. That businessmen, board members, hire and fire at will. And so because they know that, they're basically politicians. The pastors are trying to keep favor all the time so they don't get fired and get kicked out. And a lot of folks change them every couple of years, whether they need it or not, just to be changing. No respect. No respect. No respect means no faith. No faith means no results. That's not us. By the grace of God. How many think I should be respectful of him and of you? You should be respectful of him and of us. Do you think? Do you think? This is, this is what's right. That means stop your demanding. Stop acting like something's owed to you. Stop acting like somebody's supposed to do something when you call or when you ask or when you. Because when you treat people like that, you're treating God like that. You know, one thing that really makes a difference is ask instead of tell. Let's practice that one time. <laughs> ask <laughs> instead of tell. Sometimes you need to ask the question, am I asking or am I telling? <laughs> Go to 1 Kings 21. I'd, I'd like to take just a few more minutes. Let's begin in verse 1. 1 Kings 21. It came to pass after these things Naboth The Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel, hard or right by the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. Keep reading, I'm going to read a couple of verses here. Ahab spoke to Naboth. He said, uh, give me your vineyard. (laughs) That sounds kind of like telling, don't it? (laughs) That I may have it for a garden of herbs. He's got a plan. Because it's close to my house. And I will give you a better vineyard than it. Or if it's good to you, seems good to you, I'll give you money. Whatever you say it's worth. Naboth said to Ahab, the Lord forbid it me. Now he's saying, the Lord told me I can't. He told him from the word, this is his family's inheritance. And the Lord might have quickened it to him again by his spirit. He said, I can't do it. Give my inheritance of my father. This is supposed to go to my kids and their kids. That's what the word says. And verse 4, Ahab came into his house heavy. And displeased. <laughs> Actually, the uh, Young's literal translation says, sulky and wroth. Sulky and mad. Because the word that Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him when he said, I don't give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he, he lies down on the bed and turns his, around his face and has not eaten bread. He just, it just made him sick. And he felt so bad. And so he went to bed and pouted. He's mad and he's pouting. Why? Why is he pouting? Because he didn't get this. Exactly. He, he thinks he's entitled to this. He, in his mind, this was already a done deal. He's already made plans. He, he's already moving furniture. Man, you got to watch about this. Thoughts will come to you. Well, this has happened. And yeah, they'll, do, they'll do this. Of course they will. Sure, sure. I mean, you know, you've done this and you've done that and you've done the other. 
Sure they will. You know they will. And so you make all your plans and you get all jazzed about it. And then somebody says, no. 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 And it just goes all over you. After all I've done for them. Now friend, these are serious words. Because what you just got through doing is disqualifying yourself for grace. There's a phrase in the New Testament, fallen from grace. And it refers to counting on something you've done to merit it. If you're counting on something you've done, you're pushing grace away. God resists the proud. And he gives grace to whom? The humble. He gives grace to the humble. After all I've done for them. Husbands and wives get into this. I've given 30 years of my life to that man. 30, 40 years of my life to the. Come on. Come on. You're just standing there lying and crying. Everything you did for the last 30 years was for them. Liar. Liar. What'd you do for God? Everything you did was for them? You might see what I'm talking about. Such deception. Such confusion. Well, they should. It's just right. Said who? If it's theirs, what right do you have to it? If it's their choice... Why didn't it ever occur to you they might say no? That should give you a, a photo insight into some real problems in your head. It never occurred to you that they could tell you no? Who are you imagining you are? And what are you imagining you are? Such a serious lack of humility. Nobody owes you or me anything because of who we are, what we are after the flesh. God doesn't owe us anything. Not, not another breath of oxygen. He because of who I am, and what I've done, he doesn't owe me anything. Now, if I'll obey him, we already talked about this, there'll be reward by the goodness of God. But all the blessings that have been bought and paid for in Christ, salvation, forgiveness of sin, the Holy Spirit, healing, protection, etc., etc. I deserve none of that. It's all a free gift because of what Jesus has done. Do you want the greatest faith, child of God? Then we got to get rid of this getting mad and pouting. This Ahab stuff. Heard a fellow preacher on this one time. Actually, Dr. Ken Stewart, Tulsa, Oklahoma. He preached a sermon called Don't Pet a Powder. Good advice. Don't pet powders. I don't care if they're three years old or if they're 83. Don't pet powders. Went in there, fell on the bed, grown man, nothing wrong with him, king of the nation, and he's having a fit over this little piece of land. Wind up letting his wife do some awful things, lie and kill and steal and brought judgment on himself. 
These things are not innocent. They can end up with total destruction. I got a simple thing when it comes to other people doing stuff for me. Simple thing I endeavor to practice. When it comes to you or any other person doing something for me, expect nothing. And be thankful for everything. It'll keep you happy. Come on out with me. If they don't do it, you're not upset because you weren't expecting them to do it. Is that right? If they do do it, you're happy, thank God, because you don't feel like they owed it to you. Let me go over that again with you real slow. When it comes to people doing stuff for you, this includes your family, includes your co-workers, your friends, everybody around you. Help me out. What should you do? Expect nothing. Now, I'm expecting things from God. I am expecting things from God. And he's going to use people, but I don't know who and where and how. I must not get my eyes on any people. When it comes to people, I expect nothing. I'm thankful for everything. Praise God. There's a simple phrase you ought to use a whole lot. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Don't, don't assume people have time to talk to you. You know, people that are not doing anything all day long call and want to talk to you for two hours. And you've got ten things that you were doing when they called. And they got no, no concept of what you're doing. I think it's a good practice when you call somebody say, uh, are you busy? Can you talk right now? Well, it's me. Of course I should. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. It's me when I call. Should we be gracious? Do we have a gracious God? Should we be gracious? Should we ask instead of tell? Should we be thankful instead of demanding? This is not just a nice way of being. This is a godly way of being. Jesus said, come learn of me. I am meek and lowly of heart. You'll find rest to your souls. And this is what Jesus referred to, a big part of what he called the greatest faith. Can you say amen? Amen. Stand on your feet, everybody. Glory to God. There's much more to say, but I think you might think I've already said much. (laughs) Praise God. I want to lead you in a prayer. Just close your eyes. Be serious with the Lord. Say it out loud, Father God. Your word says that you hate pride. I agree with you. I hate pride too. It's the nature of the devil. Forgive me for being haughty, demanding, pushing, telling, thinking I deserve something. I repent. I don't deserve. In myself, I'm unworthy. It's only because of Jesus that I can have your good things. Open my eyes, my heart. Help me to see the ugliness of pride and its wrong ways. Alert me lest I begin to act like this or say these kind of things in the future and I'll stop my mouth and I'll arrest myself and I'll humble myself before you.
Hallelujah. I humble myself before you and I'm glad to do it. I exalt. You are everything. And everything you've given me is undeserved and I am thankful. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.